Hey everybody, welcome back to Tea and Sweets with Miss J. Of course, you guys know I am your hostess with the most, Miss J, aka Miss Simone Jackson. Always here to bring you guys another great episode of Tea and Sweets. Of course, you guys know we always have an, an amazing guest, and today is no exception. We have a, another great guest for you guys today. Uh, she is a writer, producer, and director. I am super, super excited to be having her on here today. Please give a nice Big warm welcome to Miss Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi, Simone. Hi, everyone. Hi. How are you doing today? You know, I am doing great. It is overcast in San Francisco, finally, after a heat wave. So <laughs> I'm happy. Oh, goodness, to- <laughs> yes. I bet. Get you a break off of that heat. Well, yeah, yeah. thank you, Kevin, and speaking with us today. Um, Glad that it's a beautiful day in, in, in San Francisco, but we really do appreciate you uh, speaking with us today. And I appreciate being here with you guys all, with everyone. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to fire the first question at you, Maria. So what I want to know is what began your passion for visual storytelling? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I would say like, you know, the beginning or origin point is not something that I know very well. Um, I would say like, I've always um, been a storyteller. And of course, I come from black people and we just some storytelling people. So everybody I know in my family is a great storyteller. Um, probably a way better storyteller um, than I am. Um, I'm just the one that does it professionally. Um, and as far as I can remember, as a little kid, my dad was like in a funk band and I was writing songs for him. Um, I was writing poetry in high school and college. Um, I went to school for creative writing. So it's just kind of always been a call, I guess, more than, you know, a decision I ever made. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I did take like a professional kind of turn though. At, when I went to grad school, I did like go to grad school, go to art school, and really, like, become this thing called a filmmaker. Um, And that was a decision, you know, not to be the doctor or the lawyer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To go into the thing that your whole family doesn't want you to do. Um, But, yeah, so it's just something. And I I always say, like, for me, I'm also a teacher, so I I teach um, screenwriting. um, And I say screenwriting and storytelling is in all of us. I think we just have to access, you know, those um, muscle memories for ourselves and, and go into that DNA source and really bring it to the surface. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone that can't tell a story, you know, that I just don't think that is true. I just think people don't, but I think once you start to, everyone becomes a storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to agree with the whole, you know, black people can definitely be storytellers because I, not to my own heart, I'm an amazing storyteller, so I will have to agree with you mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have to definitely agree with you. Um, going on to number two, you know, as a writer, you know, what, what stories do you like to tell? Yeah, so, you know, I've, um, I, I kind of have not taken a shift, but kind of, like, expanded this view, and it's really along the same lines of, like, around DNA kind of storytelling, right? Like I used to say, um, I write stories about little black girls walking down the street, you know, because everybody has some like amazing 
story of something that happens to black people. And I was very interested in kind of the mundane, like everydayness mm -hmm. and the multitude of stories that can happen going from point A to point B. Um, and especially my life in California, which, you know, nothing exciting <laughs> really happened, you know, but I know a lot of great people with great stories and just the way they tell it just makes the most mundane thing um, quite exciting. Um, and then recently I kind of, after 10 years of like writing stories in kind of the traditional way, I've been very, very interested in the ancestor story and the lack of three act structure and 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 these stories that really have no end or resolutions they're just kind of like your grandpappy come up and he tells you a story and, it, and it's hilarious mm -hmm. but it's not really it's like anecdotal anecdotal right like you know it's not like and then this happened it's just like this is what happened and then we moved on and so i've been trying to find a place in screenwriting especially where I can move beyond these three act structures to really um, hone in on these oral traditions that I'm so familiar with um, and that I see other cultures are also very familiar with. And I think there's just something universal in how we learn to tell stories, not how we go to school <laughs> to tell stories. Exactly. Exactly. And just to go on, you know, just a little bit more, you know, as a director, yeah. what what type of films do you hope to bring to the forefront? Yeah, and, and no different there, right? Like, um, I am a child of cinema, you know, I grew up in those 80s and 90s when yes. TV and film is, is all we had. <laughs> yes. So, you know, at, at some point, you like see everything, right? And what you're really now interested in is seeing something slightly on the margins of cinema, right? Something moving beyond those boundaries. Um, Three act structure is great. Everybody loves a good movie and a good popcorn and all that kind of stuff. But I think we also need to look at the power that is in the medium that we, in the craft and where we can push it, right? Like, yes, the technology pushes it to spaces, but I think we can also push it in how we tell a story, how we create an image, how we frame that image, um, how we tell that story, who gets to tell that story, who owns that story what the truth is that we accept as a story. I mean, like so many things are involved here. And so, you know, I am, I'm probably say I'm a lover of a lot of global cinema. Um, I think global cinema really has found a way to um, really encapture the universal language of cinema. And I think in the US, we kind of very much stick to three act structure, which is totally fine. I just get a little bored. <laughs> Um, after seeing a lot of the same movies. So I, mm -hmm. I'm very much into global cinema and I find, especially for our global black people, those stories um, very universal no matter where they're coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And so so that's kind of my study. And right now I'm very, very much into oh, my black ladies. Uh, oh, when you look at, when you just start digging up the history of cinema and all these forgotten um, masters of cinema that are black women and you look at the Julie Dashes and the Kathleen Collins and the work that they were doing was just so masterful. It was really pushing the boundaries of cinema when you look at Daughters of the Dust and it's telling an yeah. intergenerational, inter, you know, ancestral story of, you know, of, of the land and uh, unborn child. You're just like, what? <laughs> 
how how do I do that? That's that's really my goal now is to tell stories like that. Oh my goodness. I just feel like a like a cinema connection right now. Like I totally agree <laughs> with you there. I do. I was like, oh my gosh, did I just find my cinema soulmate? I think I did. I totally get it. So I totally get it. Um so just to go on just a little bit more, you know, um in 2016 you created Indigo Impact. Can you tell the TNC mm -hmm. audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so I hope I'm not repeating some of the same things, but um, I am interested kind of just a lot in the same thing. Um, I'm very much interested in uh, left of center stories, stories that are um, pushing the boundaries of cinema, unrepresented voices, and after, you know, so long in the game, you see all these amazing films that are shelved. Um, particularly you see films that are by people of color and marginalized cultures and communities that don't get the same spotlight as, um, you know, traditional Hollywood movies. And so what I did was create Indigo Impact, not just to put some support and really navigate, you know, not just the industry, but also the new place of like taking it to the community and taking these films to the hands of the people and also, finding money for, for, for these films, because that is also important um, because, you know, filmmakers need sustainability, they need longevity, they need to be working on their second film as their first film is released. And, you know, we get so caught up in just getting the film out and then fighting all these systems and structures that we forget, like, it's really about the long game. And, you know, the community building the community, finding your cinema sisters and your cinema brothers that are helping you make a story that is a little bit left to center, that is a little bit non-traditional. Um, that also is work. So that's what Indigo is. And, you know, we also work very much on engagement and community and, and helping filmmakers and institutions and spaces really understand the shift that is happening, which I do say there's a shift happening where, you know, folks are tired of um, getting a shaft on who gets to tell the story. And I think mm -hmm. you are seeing voices rise up that are like, I'm sorry, like that is only 10% of the truth. You miss like, you know, the origin, the oral tradition, the native cultures, you miss so much of the story and now we are taking ownership and space and, and want to tell that story. And not just that, we have a whole different process to that art form and craft and, and connection to the earth and the land and nature that we want to do in that storytelling. So, so that's also the work, right? Um, so it's, it's complicated, but Indigo Impact uh, really is trying to find, you know, similar people, similar voices, similar stories and, and navigate not just in career-wise, but also financially navigate those spaces and help filmmakers get their stories made, no matter how um, how radical they are. Awesome. I love it. I love it. You have such a, a clear direction uh, on, on not only, you know, your filmmaking process and, and, and just, just your cinematic eye. It's, it's incredible. So you're right. We are taking, you know, you have the narrative back in, in, into different storytelling. So, but I want to make sure that TN, my TNC's audience follow you. Where are you on social media <laughs> so they can follow you and all of your work? Yeah, so I would say I am mostly a Twitter girl. Um, uh, I just 
I have a great community on Twitter, so you can follow me um, at Twitter at a at Maria A G D. So it's just kind of my basic name on all platforms. Maria A is my middle initial, which is Annette, and my last name. Um, I wish I was more creative, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, At it's least you're honest about it. <laughs> it's like, because I would have forgot, right? Like, I was like, oh, I had a cool name. And then I forgot. I was like, it's just your name. You'll never forget it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm on the same on all the channels. I'm on literally every channel. So um, I'm not the best with DMs unless it's Twitter. Um, but you can try to DM me and I will eventually return it. <laughs> Again, I love the honesty. So everyone, make sure you guys definitely follow Maria on Twitter. Like she said, if you guys try to DM her, she will definitely try to get back to you eventually. That being the key word, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> so, you know. Um, so just go, just to continue on a bit more. Um, you know, uh, you also have a film called Elephants, I do believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say that one more time? Sorry. I said yes, yes, yes. Well, I wanted you to tell, you know, the tea and sweet audience about the movie and what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah. Um, so, um, as I said, I make movies about little girls just walking down the street. Um, in this movie, uh, really is no different. Um, it's, um, and, I'll, I'll start with the inspiration piece because it ends up being kind of a bigger piece, but uh, my grandfather died maybe two years ago. And one of the things that I found when I was like cleaning up his office was like a picture with a little note on it that he had for me. And it was a picture of a man um, that was hanged from a tree in Concord, California in 1985. And, um, he had a note that said, tell baby horse around, which is my nickname, uh, tell baby horse around, around about this because he knows I, I, I look for history pieces like that. And, um, and so as I researched the piece, I realized um, the picture my grandfather had took of a hanging that had happened in 1985 by a young 23-year-old uh, um, black fashion student in Concord, California. And I'm alive in 1985, um, and I didn't know anything about this. Um, and so as I researched it, I realized, like, uh, California, this place that, you know, my grandfather came in the early 40s thinking he was fleeing the South, um, really brought um, or still held or created its own um, kind of violent racial tendencies. Um, and as we shoot from 1985 to 2019, we have had Oscar Grant, we've had Nia Wilson, we've had many people um, that have had silent deaths at BART stations. And uh, for me, I was going through like my grandfather's death and all these kind of violent incidents that were happening, not just in California, but around the country. And I was coming, becoming very depressed. Um, and so as a way to get out of my depression, I had started this film which was focused on a woman who became so depressed that she developed agoraphobia and couldn't leave her apartment um, for more than a year. And so the film is one talking about um, witnessing indirectly or directly, she witnesses a murder um, and can't leave her apartment, but 
I think there's also something for me about this collective witnessing and then where do we mourn people um, in a collective space, you know, as not just as black people, but as, you know, human people together, we don't take the time to mourn. We instead go to work the next day. Um, and I wanted to see a black woman take time out of her life um, and be vulnerable and cry and and claim, you know, not today. Like, I just can't get up and, and do today. Um, so that's what the movie is about. And you do see her community come and help her out of the depression. And and there's many practices that we talk in the, about in the film. So it's a bit of a, I would say, probably a very boring film <laughs> to many people because a lot of times it's just watching her uh, do nothing and, and really try to do life, make effort, but really fail at that effort. Um, and then you see her people kind of come and, and cook for her and clean for her and just sit with her and make tea with her and then just have discussions around their own experiences. Because, I mean, just even doing the film, not one person I bring on set doesn't have a story of witnessing um, some kind of violence um, in their life and racial violence, either something that has happened to them or something they have been very closely connected to. Um, and so in a way, we're also exercising and coming to a place and a space and creating a space for ourselves where we can, you know, do this conversation that really should be happening in a more public space. Um, and, it, and eventually she gets out of it. She leaves her house. She finds a new way to, you know, a, attach to life and do life again. Um, but it takes time. And so, again, the message for me is a lot about, like, it's okay to take some time out of this, whatever we call this current space and time and world and place we call America and, and do self-care, right? Audre Lorde said self-care is one of the most radical acts that we can do as black people. And so it's a film about self-care and taking time to rebuild your soul. Oh, wow. That sounds like a very, very powerful, very powerful film. So I, I definitely appreciate you, you know, explaining to the TS Suites audience. It's definitely a film I think they should definitely go see when they can. Sounds very potent, very, very, very <laughs> thoughtful. So very, yeah. So I definitely, um, definitely encourage them to go see that. Um, yeah, and I, I would also say the film um, has the documentary component to it. So there is the place where I'm also doing research into the death of Timothy Charles Lee, who's the black man that was hung from a tree, um, who the FBI investigated and they all decided it was suicide, which makes no sense. Um, but that is the case. And so as I investigate that, there's lots of pieces to that connection of then what is justice, right? Mm -hmm. Not just criminal justice system, but also does the justice system protect us in the same way right. it protects others? And when it doesn't, then where's our justice? Where's the justice for Timothy Charles Lee? Where's the justice for right. Oscar Grant? Where's the justice mm. for Mia Wilson? And and we and this is like 2020, right? Like we still have this future, and in this future we still have no justice. So that's also with the document, and the documentary will be short, um, but there's a documentary attached. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I I highly encourage everyone to watch both. So it's very thought-provoking, very, you know, very, very powerful. And it just, it just definitely sounds like a must-see. So I highly encourage everyone to go see Elephants and also watch the little short documentary that comes with it. 
Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, just going on to the number seven question. We just got a few more questions there left. Uh, what goals do you hope to accomplish with your careers? Wow. Um, you know, the biggest goal, which even, you know, through Indigo, when I talk to filmmakers, like the number one thing I, I talk about is sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and sustainability is not just about, you know, getting your film funded and getting that check. It's also having the energy <laughs> to keep making films, right? Mm-hmm. If every film is a fight and a struggle, um, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, and I'm not saying that white filmmakers have it, you know, don't have their own struggle and don't have it easier, um, but they do have it, you know, somewhat easier because, you know, when you think about black films, probably more black films have been made by white men than by black people. This and so, so that sustainability factor of the kind of films that I want to make um, is really what I think about. And that, that involves so many things, right? Like, we can't just be filmmakers. We also have to be activists. We also have to be um, politically minded, um, show mm-hmm. up to protest and vote. And we also have to do this work when we get in the system of leaving the door open for the other person. I mean, there's just so much involved for us that is easier for us to burn out once we get in those spaces. So again back to self-care but you know sustainability and all the complexity that that means being funded being accepted being allowed to make the films that you want not you know continuing uh, a stereotype or archetype of of black people and black stories that you don't that you're not down with right like mm-hmm. you don't want to get in this and then just you know placate to whatever is the popular view of black people um you you want to extend that view and you want to make it as wide and complex as we are um and then you also want to also bring in not just black people but you know other people of color and other minorities and other invisible stories you know that that space is the only space that you know i can see as a sustainable space so in a way that's like what is that flipping the entire uh, hollywood system <laughs> i don't know but um but that's but that's sustainability for me right it's not just mm-hmm. that my films get made it's that you know hopefully the generation after me um gets made i when i started i was like the only black woman i saw in any space my class i was the only black woman in my graduate film school um i would go to festivals you know and i'd be the only black woman in an all-black festival you know so that so now that i see m- many more black women when you call me and you say hey I'm, I'm trying to flip careers and and do this thing in cinema i'm like yes we need more of you we need more writers we need more critics we just need more of our people in this space um yes so that's so that's what i see from my own career um, I know that was like a big, like I just threw out like a big idea, but I think my career is only interconnect, interconnected to, you know, other people's careers and also this space that we call cinema. Yeah, and you're right. Well, you're right about it. We definitely need, definitely need more to see more of our people in these creative spaces because only then will we will get more opportunities and you know see more of us right. represented. So I completely totally agree with you on that one. So. Like, and and I also think 
And I also think like what you're doing is so important because in terms of context and contextualizing, you know, a film that I make like Elephant, you know, I have to rely on mostly white film critics to describe what I'm talking about. And then I have to rely on publicists that are mostly white and then film programmers that are mostly white. Um, I'm seeing a pattern and, here. <laughs> right? I'm seeing a pattern so, here. <laughs> so if folks don't all want to be filmmakers, there's plenty of other spaces within the thing to be and 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 to be and involve yourself in cinema and movie making. Um, and so I try and encourage people in so many ways, like there's only way we will survive is is when we are integral to making this thing work, right? Like until right. we're integral in cinema. You know, right now we kind of sit on the on the boundaries and I think we need to be in the center and at the core. No, absolutely. I would hundred percent agree with you. I do. We definitely need to be in the forefront and um, be part of the conversation. And we also need to be part, you know, have a seat our own at, at the table as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. Totally agree. I, I get you. I get you, girl. I do. I do. All right. Coming up to the last few questions here, Miss Maria. Um, if you had, you know, since you are a writer and director, if you had a dream budget, you had just unlimited budget, what would you make your dream project to be? You know, I know you, you did elephants, but if you had an unlimited yeah, yeah, no, 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 I have a dream project. Go ahead. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen um, the Imitation of Life. Have I have. That? That's my mom's favorite movie. Is it is her favorite movie the 1930s version or the 1950s version? The 1930s. Yes, that's my favorite version, mm-hmm. um, and and particularly because it's a story about a black and white woman who are single moms who are living together and starting a business together, and the mid 1950s version flips that relationship to make one the black woman the maid of the white woman, mm-hmm. but the 1930s version just becomes so powerful um, with these two women struggling to be women and have ownership and make their own money and be independent and then raise these kids in a, in a, in a very complex world of race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful, right? Um, I think it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite movies and I would yes. love to remake that. It would cost a lot of money. <laughs> I would need all the best actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's like my big, big budget film. I hope nobody ever remakes it other than me. Um, and if it wasn't, and if it wasn't Imitation of Life, I would, I would love all the money in the world and all that good sci-fi money to make, we make like an Octavia Butler, anything Octavia Butler, like I would make any one of her, um, uh, 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 novels, uh, sci-fi novels, um, but that would cost a lot of money because that's sci-fi. So I would need like those big, I would need like avatar money to make that. <laughs> I totally agree with the imitation of life. That movie never fails to make me cry. Always does. Right. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, can you think about the costume budget on it though? Like you would oh need a lot of money just for costumes because the costumes have to be fabulous, tailored to 
just it's like Mad Men costume money. That's what we need. Mad Men costume money. I mean, even till this day, you've never seen a movie like that like generate so emotion. Like I can't imagine like a lot yeah. of people- like, I mean, I know a lot of people who've seen it and they've always say, you know, yeah, that's one of the few movies that just gets to me every single time. You know, you don't see and, movies like that. And I, think it's, and I think it's also dismissed as a woman's movie, right? Like, it is. Um, it's, I mean, like, it's really a woman's movie if you think about the relationship between the two women, if you think about the mother-daughter story, if you think about just the political, personal as political, story of women trying to navigate a very male-dominated world in the 30s, right? Like, exactly. it is the epitome of, of a woman's story, and not, you know, BS uh, women-centered story. It is just women, sisterhood coming to, it's like early beaches or something like that, right? Like, women coming together to just try to make this world work on their own to design their own futures exactly how, uh, how beautiful yeah that that would i'm with you i hope no one remakes that movie but you so, like we're putting it like we're putting the trademark right yeah. now we're trademarking exactly. it right now no one else can touch it right. unless you're willing to work with miss maria we've already discussed right. it. We have proof i have it recorded so i'm just saying right. <laughs> Please don't let anyone touch my big budget Hollywood movie. <laughs> I love it. She said, please don't let anyone. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, coming down to the final question, Miss Maria. Um, this one's a little fun one uh, because we are called Tea and Sweets. You know, as a filmmaker, I'm pretty sure you I know you are. I'm a movie lover just like, you know, me in the audience. But what would you, what is a typical snack that you pair with your movie? Oh, what snacks would I pair? Um, you know, I like sweet and sour and salty all at the same time. So it would have to be like chocolate, dark chocolate only, chocolate, some like dark nuts, like some uh, some some like all salty almonds, and maybe some like vinegar chips, like all in the same like popcorn bucket or something, you know, like <laughs> in the grossness that is like you are when you're watching a movie for like 12 hours, you know, love it. like, I love it. She's in a popcorn bowl, not a regular bowl people, but she wants a popcorn bowl. No, That's you gotta have like the know. big one that sits on your belly where yes. you can like, have it all, like fall all over you because that is like, I don't know who's cute watching a movie in a theater. No. I am not. <laughs> Exactly. If I'm not cute at home. I'm definitely not. I try. I'm a little bit cuter in the theater because it's in public. But I just came back from TIFF and I was watching movies for like eight hours. I came out of there. I was just like, please, nobody run into me. I look. I look terrible. I have food all over me. You know, because you're like in the dark theater trying to like find your snacks that you put in your purse <laughs> and like nothing's where it should be. So like everything is all over your face. It's over your clothes. Whatever. I like that. That's that's the experience. I'm okay with it. I love it. I love it. Ah, that is amazing. That is amazing. I have to I have to say that's probably one of the best answers I've got. <laughs> Hands down, <laughs> one of the best answers I got. 
Oh, Maria, it has been such an incredible pleasure to be talk to talk to with you. You have such a an amazing, clear, cinematic eye that it's just that yeah, I Thank you. Yes, I really do hope my audience, of course, I have no doubt that they will, will definitely make sure you guys follow Maria on Twitter and make sure you guys check out her film, Elephant, as well as a short little documentary film that's going with it. Um, both sound equally powerful and thought-provoking, so I definitely want you to make sure you guys check that out. And also continue to support Maria because we definitely want to continue to, continue to see more of your film work for sure. And, and support black women in film. So go through those archives and, and, and find, you know, the 10 year old, 20 year old black women filmmakers that, you know, have been making films. They, they're out there. Mm -hmm. Watch their stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with her. I definitely agree with everyone. Please make sure that you go and find and support black archive films because, you know, we are definitely trying to take you know, right. back the narrative and put ourselves back into the forefront like we should be. Um, exactly. You know, if we can't be invited to the table, then guess what? We're going to make our own. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's just how we do. But um, I definitely want to thank Maria for coming in again. You have been an absolute delight. Love talking with you. And I know my audience will definitely support you because we're definitely going to want to see more film work and more of what you have to offer. So that's for sure. So we definitely want to thank you one more time, Ms. Maria. Thank you so much, Simone, and thank you um, to everyone who took time out of their very, very busy schedules when the world is calling you in so many directions to be here with us right now and listening to what makes our, make us tick, right? Like what makes our hearts beat. So Absolutely. thank you all. Absolutely. Everyone, you guys know that Tea and Sleeps with Miss J always bring you guys great, great celebrity interviews. So, but you guys know, of course, I'm your hostess with the most, Miss J, aka Miss Simone Jackson. Of course, I will bring back, be back to bring you guys another great episode of Tea and Sleeps with Miss J. We'll have another great interview. But until then, everyone, stay beautiful, watch those films, and stay tuned for more. And until then, everyone, have a great day, and we'll be back soon. Bye.